You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch battle research. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the day that won the battle. Well, good luck! Target is in, target is Never miss communication. My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show, airing on Phoenix 92.5 FM and all those wonderful places on the internet. I am Kean, and with me this week is... It's Kev! It's Kev! It's Kev! And how are you doing, Kev? Hey. Kev! I'm doing well. <laughs> Just only minorly jet-lagged and <laughs> uh, slightly exhausted. Uh, word of the wise, don't... F- fly to a different country, go to a gig, fly back, and then go to another gig the next day. Oh, have you slept? No. Good man. <laughs> because because obviously I haven't taken time off work during all this. What, you're working a... while abroad? No, that like I did that over the weekend, but I did go from work to the right, plane right, right, right. and then go back to work on Monday. Okay, because I know what you do, and that would have been impressive. Um, all right well uh yes we are recording exceptionally late at night due to active infant uh so bear with us if there's any sound difficulties or anything like that but we do have a lot of wonderful things to talk about this week and also some amazing news updates and all that kind of stuff we've got tv we've got film we've got i don't know probably something else will turn up probably dara will turn up uh, I so, think we need to. I think we need to slap like one of those yellow hazard stickers on a lot of our episode banners that just says <laughs> "active child." <laughs> if, if, there, if there is a high likelihood that like one of your children appears in the back of this episode, we just put a yellow warning label on it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I'm not sure if it was pre you, but there was definitely an episode a few years ago. I sorry, we will talk nerd stuff for it, but. Um, there was definitely an episode like four years ago where Prim was on my lap crying or something and I didn't push the mute button. And I'm hoping Dara edited it out, but I'm doubt, but I also doubt it. <laughs> if he could if he could edit a child crying while running a show, it would he he'd be a magic magician. Yeah, him. yeah, that's true. I mean he'd we be have doing we have better than here two weeks ago. Being bounced. <laughs> With the odd gurgle. So I'll be interested to go back and see if the mic picked that up. But sure. However, let's get to the big, exciting, dramatic news of the week. Kev, could you take us away? Yes. In what I suppose is the latest recurring segment of Kev thinks unions are neat. (laughs) Um, We have another update on the current Writers Guild of America strike uh, that 
we've covered a few times now in the past. Uh, the current update is that SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, and the uh, authorities for film and radio mm. uh, union uh, have also decided now to commence striking. Okay. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, the deadline, if they if a deal is not struck in the next six hours from recording, the SAG-AFTRA is going on strike as well. Okay, so if by the time this goes out, like all the musicians and like architects and like teachers have all joined in in the course of the three days between recording and airing, like don't hold it against. Apologize so fast. We're not. We're not. We're not like you know psychic. Good on them. But yeah. Yeah. So what does this mean in terms of like you know like I'm I'm someone who just watches Netflix and stuff. What does this mean to like people at home? What will this affect? Well. Where the Writers Guild was obviously like we've seen the impacts of a writer strike. Mm. Obviously, before we've talked about the impact of 2008, um, we noticed a sharp decline in quality of a lot of stuff. But productions either slowed or continue or did but did continue to make progress. Right. With an actor strike, productions are just going to shut down. Yeah, unless they go full CGI Tarkin. Like, you know, that's it. So unfortunately, they probably can. But, you know, we're we're of two things. Obviously, there are there are still going to be scabs. Yeah. You know, actors are like there are still going to be actors that will cross the picket line. They shouldn't. Mm. They will. But you're going to see a lot of actors just refuse to work. And that's going to be the bottom line Um, where there's there was conjecture before this. Because they're, they're, they're striking for the same reasons the Writers Guild are, for better pay and better quality. Yeah, but the, yeah. right, the, the Screen Actors Guild are getting in on this quite significantly in solidarity of the Writers Guild. Is there a precedent for this happening before? Uh, not that I know of. Um, I haven't quite looked into the history of it, but of, like, of, a signif- of, a stri- of one of this scale, I don't believe so. Um, but yeah, no, this... Without, because without without actors, you can't really have a show. You know, there was a lot of kind of talk going on about, well, without writers, you know, you can outsource the writing to, to different countries. Uh, because obviously, that, to be clear again, this is a very uh, narrowly America, American. Yeah, because I was going to ask about that. Didn't like the New Zealand actors guilds like go on strike because of the Hobbit over equal pay and that kind of stuff. So there has yeah. been... Not in America, maybe, but there has been things that happened before, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there is precedent in other scales, but obviously, you know, the American film industry is colossal. Like they're like, not not to downplay the the importance of the New Zealand film industry. The American one just comes on a whole other scale. Yes, um, and SAG and SAG-AFTRA members are just a huge part of that talent industry um and so yeah and like this is this is going to impact a lot of things you know because not only does it just does it affect uh you know screen actors this affects radio and voice work so this is even going to impact a lot of like radio shows in the u.s and a lot of animated series for overdubbing uh like this this covers that swath Mm. of um of kind of talent industries and like for not for again for good reason uh at least like in the spheres i follow there has been a lot of hubbub 
around uh, Crunchyroll just re- almost re- refusing to work with uh, unionized SAG-AFTRA. Yeah, uh, you covered this tablets. on uh, Mob Psycho 100 before, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, they fully just, not even, they fully replaced the dub voice actor for the lead character, Mob. And mm. uh, only because he wanted to negotiate a union pack, a union uh, gig for them. Right. They didn't even, they didn't even have negotiations. They heard the word union and just struck him. Right. Um, Class so, like, that's, all around. Yeah. So this is, this is not unprecedented, unprecedented, not uncalled for. Uh, so that's it. And on top of that, there is a, well, actually, I'm going to pull up the quote because in right in the shadow of this announcement, they they have been talking about this for a while. But there is a quote kicking out now from an executive of the uh, the film and TV production board. So the big companies, your, your Marvel, Disney, Amazon, uh, that basically outlined that they will let this... Th- this strike drag out as long as it needs to quote until the actors can't afford their houses and apartments. Well, this, well, this is what, I mean, that's obviously horrible, but this is what I was wondering about because it's all well and good to say, ah, scabs crossing the picket line. But like, unless you're like an established Hollywood talent or something, act, most of the actors in America are not well off. Like, I mean, like, there's a reason why in La La Land she runs from Starbucks to her audition that she doesn't get to come and then goes back to work. Like, you yes. know, it's 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 all haves and have nots. Like, I would say optimistically, like, like one percent are those well established talents and stuff. And the rest are like, you know, give it a try and possibly burn out and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know. Like Dublin's different. Dublin, you can kind of float around the profit share scene and do and do fine. But America's a whole other place. Like I would not like scabby as it sounds, I would not judge anyone for crossing the line to stay alive. You know what I mean? Like Yes, but at the same time, I'd like to 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 show the dystopic nature of the American work system, you know, the the sheer level of workers' abuse. Mm. that these writers are working under in the current system is untenable. They're hardly no, making enough. Of course, yeah. So so these things do need change. And the only way to do that is to completely buckle the system. And, no, I agree. It's definitely a good yeah. thing. I just, like, the pragmatic part of me is just wondering how it will play out. That's all. Uh, well, again, with the Screen Actors Guild, it's going to play out. I think it's going to play out a lot faster than people are expected because they simply these productions just can't continue Mm. with these and like i i wouldn't be surprised if we see other teams of of production companies uh engineers uh yeah engineers best boys uh sound teams well that's what i was thinking because like not to diminish to diminish acting or anything like that but like if you lose really talented technicians and directors stuff you don't think about basically then it will fall apart much faster than if you don't have actors i know that sounds crazy but like everyone's been harping on marvel's cg effects for example because they're overworked like if there's a technical thing wrong and it's working you don't see it but if it's going wrong you're gonna pick up on it damn quickly you know 
well, that's like all of this is just shining a light on just how little any of these members are really being looked after. Mm. You know, animation it really like it's it's due its reckoning. Yeah. Uh, like we've we've heard like there there's been cases now outlined about across the Spider-Verse and just how much work those animators had to put in over the past two years to get that film to where it was. Mm. Um, and it's untenable. Simple fact. Were they uh, were they like kind of in a position where they had no choice or like what? Pretty much. Like it okay. it was it was it was crunch. Uh it was it was a very it was a crunch environment. Right. Where they were kind of told you have to have this done by the dead by X deadline. I'm sorry to hear that because there was actually quite a big gap between Spider-Verse films. I kind of hope that at least would mean it was done ethically, like Yeah, but you also gotta remember that COVID was was a significant part of that gap. You can draw from home. It, yeah, but it, it like it certainly slowed the pipelines. Okay, yeah, 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 I suppose, um, yeah. And it's a two-part, so actually, they've probably made two films in the last three years, well, really. Well, here's the... Th- I think, like, it's... it's. I, I was under the impression that they were kind of developing them both in synchronicity. Mm. A lot of bit There's, there's bits coming out that's really showing maybe that's not as true as we thought. Right. I think that at least none of the dialogue has apparently been recorded for the, the next one. Right. And they've already been kind of vague on they were supposed it was supposed to be a year to the date of the release of Across. Mm. That's getting a little muddier now, especially with all the strikes. Right. And everything. But but yeah, that's as I said, by the time the, the situation will have even changed since this recording. Mm. You know, at where we stand, a strike is imminent unless a deal is made but it is technically still up in the air. So by the time this episode launches, we will likely see a SAG after strike. Right. Um, I really hope they don't go down the like, because like we talked about this in the text messages because we all talk outside of the show, sort of. uh, And like, you know, kind of how like Bruce Willis and James Earl Jones have sold their, essentially their gallery of sound effects and visuals. And like, you know, uh, Darth Vader was a fully digitized voice performance in Kenobi and Bruce Willis sold his entire digital likeness so there's like an ad that he acts in that he didn't actually act in and it's like I, I do worry that they're not like I don't think they have a fully digitized like cast but I do worry that like they might chance their arm or that kind of stuff you know yeah but I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that where, where it's certainly a possibility the the breadth of quality is going to be noticeable. Yeah, and uh, like that's you're like f- sure for a trailer you might get away with like a two minute clip mm. of watching Bruce Willis and the novelty. Try anything, even as far as a fifteen minute show. Mm. That the uncanny valley is going to kick in. That's true. I haven't yet. seen the Indiana Jones film yet, although Dara's raving about it. But apparently, there's a young Indiana Jones or like a. Like, you know, Harrison Ford from Raiders of the Lost Dark Age. Mm. And like, you know, he just like everyone's saying the eyes give it away. Whenever you see, no matter how convincing, the eyes don't look right, you know? Oh, I, I'm still thinking about just how glimmering sheened Peter Cushing was in, uh, what was it, Rogue One? No. Yeah, I went back yeah. and watched that. I, 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 I didn't think it was too bad. The best or worst one was, do you remember Tron Legacy? I never watched it. I watch it every Christmas. I really love it, but it's got like 
the conceit is that uh, Jeff Bridges created a clone of himself to run the thing and it went evil. So you've got normal age Jeff Bridges and a young Jeff Bridges and he just looks like plasticine. <laughs> like it's like they went too far. It's like it's like Professor X in the Wolverine film. They've gone too far oh, and they just yeah. look like eggs <laughs> too much. <laughs> Yeah, put a, put, a, put a nice egg wash on him and bake him for 20 minutes. <laughs> He's not done yet. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, I, I was going to say, let's talk about happier things. But unfortunately, the thing I want to talk about isn't happy. It's Black Mirror. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've, got, I've got a nice palate cleanser to come up later. But yeah. Oh, lovely. Please okay. Well, I, I, as You know what? As somebody who has actually not watched a single episode of Black Mirror, Oh my goodness, really? I understand I understand the conceit of it being an anthology series. Right. Of, you know, kind of uh, cautionary tales. Yes. I think uh, they've they've kind of broadened their scope in recent years, but yeah, that is it. Um yeah, so you've never you've never know you've never watched it though. Like do you know anything about Black Mirror then? Uh I like vagaries. Right. Um yeah, like I know that the, the 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 tone is typically tragic and dystopic, and right, you know, there at least in the beginning, the lessons were fairly moralistic on you know don't you know don't build the terror nexus sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've built my fa- we've built the terror nexus from my favorite novel. Don't build the terror nexus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. It's really funny. It's uh, I would recommend it if you haven't watched it. I mean, like it's it's not a good mood binge. I'd take one at a time, but you can do that because they are basically films. Some of them are like an hour and a half long, like, you know. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's had a really weird, interesting life, which is that it was a series for Channel 4, like kind of one of their bizarre kind of artsy experiments. But Channel 4 do a lot of these kind of things that I really appreciate. Oh, I I still yeah. think about that uh, that zombie Big Brother short series they had, like oh yeah, I got I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean though. Between them yeah. and E four back in the glory days, like you know, you could find some really interesting stuff there. But Between Black the Mirror kind of comes from that tradition of things yeah. because the first season was just three short films. You had like you know, sort of the prime, the what about the prime minister and like someone's been kidnapped and he has to do an awful act on camera to get her back and all that kind of stuff. And you had actually quite a lot of talents came from that series because the middle one was a million merits and it was like everyone lives in like an Xbox game cycling on bikes and you have to go on the X Factor to ascend society. And the main actor in it was, uh, Oh, his name is Daniel Kalua, I think, the get out guy. Oh, that was his no big break in well, thing. And it was all mostly without dialogue as well. Do you know what? It's it's funny because I think didn't he was E4 skins as well. And he, yes. he was big on that originally. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. he comes from that. And then the third one was all about like people who would have essentially like these little cameras in their eyes so that they could rewind their own memories and neurotically get focused on things. And Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm came from that, didn't come from that, but I'm sure it helped, you know. And so they did two seasons on Channel 4 and then it gets cancelled or not cancelled necessarily, but, you know, they just don't do another one. And then it gets picked up by Netflix and then things change real quickly because you've got six episodes because I've got money now. And then in season four, as well as the usual stuff, they do a big budget like Star Trek 
parody parody slash criticism and like it's the one everyone loves and then season five comes out and similar deal two episodes one episode one of the episodes has hannah montana hannah montana molly cyrus and it's all about the music industry Mm. and like it's i'm not gonna say it's getting dumber but it did get louder for a while and I got it's really weird watching Black Mirror in a row because there'll be one episode in every season like the Star Trek, like the Mighty Cyrus one, which is big and noisy and not without like kind of merit. But like it definitely is more of a feel good thing than the other ones, which are bleak and depressing and sort of insightful stuff. Wasn't Black Mirror also the kind of the conduit for when Netflix started introducing the... um not really ARG, but kind of gamified the TV Yes, that's shows. another one. Yeah. Bandersnatch, yes. There's a whole, like, choose-your-way adventure. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Yeah, that's really good, actually. Thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, but no, this newest season, uh, five episodes. And I, I bring up all of that because the f- if you went into it just on the first episode, I think you could be put off by Black Mirror very easily because the first episode is called Joan is Awful. And it's got a great conceit. It's this woman goes about her day. You know, she works at some kind of internet place. She has to fire one of her people. She's sort of considering having an affair, uh, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Not Mm. not good stuff, but kind of pedestrian stuff. And then she gets home and sticks on Netflix or whatever the equivalent is in the show. And a show, her character's name is Joan, but a show comes up called Joan is Awful. And when she watches it, it's the entire day she's just done, except she's played by Salma Hayek. And it's okay. like, and like, it is dialogue perfect. Like it's, except they're playing up the melodrama of it. And it gets, it goes so far that like, and the whole world is watching her like with a slight lag, like her, the day that's just happened is the episode that goes up. And like, even in the show, Salma Hayek starts watching Joan is awful, except Kate Blanchett's playing her. And it just keeps going deeper and deeper. And it's a really clever conceit, but it also kind of does all the big body jokes and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it is good. It is good. Like, you know, it, there's like the whole conceit is that when you signed the Netflix deal, you also didn't agree to the didn't read the bit where you agreed to sign away your life to our content making machine. And it's all about... AI generating entire stories with actors and Salma Hayek sold her like this. Actually, it's quite timely considering what we just talked about. Yeah. Because it's an, an AI generated show from top to bottom. Uh, but no, yeah, so that's, that's it's, kind of, it, yeah, go on. No, it's just the, the more I think, yeah, no, that because it's because it is like kind of the contemporary thing right now with AI and AI generative image, images. That's like it's cropping up in a lot of kind of pop culture now. Even the One Punch Man manga has had a swing in it. Oh really? Not, not that it's doing AI things, but um, this isn't a spoiler. But uh, Tornado, the little psychic girl, mm. she gets approached to do a commercial, and she does it really intense, right? Really bad. But then it comes around. That then the commercial airs, and she's really cute and quiet, and that. And they're like, they, "Are you telling me they used AI generation to make that commercial? <laughs> <laughs> throw someone's head through a wall?" Oh my god. Well, I mean, actually, just stick them in Netflix. Bojack Horseman did a season on this years ago. The Secretariat film was a CGI. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they were way ahead of the curve. 
God, I got I I gotta rewatch Bojack Horseman. Yeah, that, looking... it might be one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> it is excellent. Please don't uh, delete it from the servers. Please you know, don't delete. Do that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'll just breeze through the other synopsis very quickly. So there's one about uh, a couple who are visiting like their family in Scotland, and they're kind of like aspiring filmmakers, and they find out about a local myth of someone who killed a lot of people, and they try and do a true crime documentary on it with drones and all that kind of stuff. And there's that weird, like insidious level to it because one of the two main characters, it happened to his dad. He was one of the victims. And so like, there's that whole discussion of like, are we just monetizing something real or is this arse? There's that whole thing. So that's a bit more typical black mirror. Like, you know, you've got like a great one with uh, the actor from Breaking Bad. Uh, what's his name? Oh, I've Aaron Paul. Yes, Aaron Paul. Uh, very Black Mirror. Aaron Paul and another actor are, it's set in the 60s and they're both astronauts in space. But when they go asleep, they can essentially phone like robot duplicates at home so they could hang out with their families and like, you know, all of the kind of, horrible things that go wrong when all that starts breaking down there's a weird and then the last two are like really pulpy like i would almost say borderline tarantino kind of horror things which okay i really appreciate what is about like uh tabloid photographers like trying to get the big scoop on something and ending up sort of tripping into a horror movie and the other called demon 79 with the full tarantino fonts is about a woman who like you know she's like sort of um i think she's like english but of indian descent and she's being picked on by all the you know small-minded people in her town and she picks up like a small rock or something and an angel pops up played or a demon played by like someone from the band bone 79 or something like that Mm. and then she has to kill three people or the apocalypse happens. And it's just, it's a comedy. I don't know. It's really, I don't want to give away too much because the entire point of watching it is the gradual unfolding. But I think this season is one of the strongest. They've got a really good mix of like tones and it feels very English in a way that some of the Netflix series haven't because Mm. naturally more money means more international stuff gets involved and all that kind of stuff. So it's gone a bit smaller in some respects. And I think they chucked all their worst impulses into the first episode, which it's still a good episode, but like all the noisiest, most obvious stuff is there. So yeah, I would recommend it. Is any of this making sense to you? I kind of get it. Like it, it, well, yes and no, but I think mostly in the fact that it really seems like anything that this show throws at you, it can be a real mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, they're all really, really strong. I, there isn't yeah. a single episode I wouldn't recommend. And it's impressive that they're all by one writer because they all feel very different from one another oh, in that, terms of tone. Yeah, they're all Charlie. Except After the first season, they're all Charlie Booker, you know. Uh, okay. Who, you know, do you know Charlie Booker at all? Or? The name rings a bell, but I think I just heard he, it because people talk about Black Mirror. He's a comedian. I think he, he got to start doing things like Harry Hill and that kind of stuff. He mm. does the year round wipe at the end of the year where he like covers everything. But he is the one who launched uh, Philomena Kunk. Do you know what? That is, she, she I, is a character from his show and he now writes her show. <laughs> I have Kunk on Earth. If Katie were here, I know she's been watching it. I have that on the back burner. 
that's like the next thing on my list to watch because yeah. I've seen the clips and it's the most deadpan. She will ask the most ludicrous questions <laughs> to actual serious like <laughs> politician scholars and it's just sheer deadpan. It yeah, it's 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 almost bordering on like back in the Borash Ali G thing, except <laughs> she's so committed and she's so straight faced when she asks her insane questions. Yeah. That even you kind of buy into it, you know. <laughs> That's there's a confidence that you have yeah. to kind of sit get behind. Yeah, so um, she comes from that. That's that's the weird thing because like you don't. There's not a lot of writers because we're talking about writers. There's not a lot of writers whose careers you'd follow. Like obviously you'd get like a, a Stephen Moffat say uh, through Doctor Who or someone like that. But Charlie Booker is a really weird one because you've got Black Mirror, which is a very specific type of thing. And all the other type of stuff, which is mockumentary Philomena Kunk stuff. And there's a very, there's nothing connecting the two apart from some kind of droll comments in Black Mirror and stuff. So it's really weird watching them side by side. But I think that, yeah. that does sound like the most British path of, yeah. of, of content production, though. That is oh, it. That how is about it. make something that's so terribly dystopic, it really just puts the fear into you. And that makes <laughs> it <something> really funny. <laughs> oh my God. Let me know if you actually watch the rest of it, because like, I mean, like Black Mirror is pretty consistently quality. I can't think of an episode I don't like, you know, they're not, they're not, they're going away from the tech angle now, but I think mm. it's still really, really strong. You know, it's, it's on the list. As I said, I've, I've got Kunk on Earth. I've heard nothing but good things. I still haven't watched the new season of The Witcher. And, you know, it's about time I dove back into Deep Space Nine, Kian. Come How's on. How's ending it? Season two. Oh, so not good yet. Okay. No, no, that's, yeah, no. That's, <laughs> I dove out to watch all the new stuff that we talked about last week. And now yeah, I've got to go back into the mines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't dwell too much because I know we did a whole episode on Star Trek, but like, Putting Next Generation Season 1 and D Space 9 Season 1 side by side, like Next Gen Season 1 is much worse, but sometimes it's so bad it's funny. Yeah. And then it takes until about Season 3 to break out of that mold. Like D Space 9, its first season, it's much more competent. All the stuff they do pays off later, but it's also competent threatening on boring dull yeah yeah like kind of repetitive that's why and look that's because they're trying something more interesting hmm. but you do kind of have to wade through it you know yeah like that's i don't like it even though like i've watched next gen and, and voyager not the crew of deep space nine haven't endeared me half as much in hmm. as short a time yeah except for odo and quark and that's why it's odo <laughs> and quark's wild ride <laughs> yes yeah later on they do kind of find the pairings that work hmm. uh it's, I mean, I'm just thrilled because Colin Meany got the respect he deserved. I mean, look, he's always made miserable. Is, but is he the getting the respect himself. he deserves? Because he's just getting abused every minute. Oh, no. Day. Have you, you did season one. So you did the episode Rumble Stillskin and stuff. Oh, yes. Yes. With the daughter. Yeah. That was supposed to be a leprechaun. Uh, but because he was a big star now, Colin Meany just went, nope. No. Vito, <laughs> we're not doing that. That makes so much sense. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't it make much more sense? Like, you know. So, like, yeah, obviously a lot of like leftover next generation scripts still kind of working their way through. But the, all the good stuff is to come. I for me, it gets gold when Bashir and uh O'Brien become a lovely duo. 
you just don't see enough English and Irish friends hanging out in anything <laughs> in general. They're so wholesome. They become cosplayers. I'll I'll get to it. I'll I'll I'll, I'll be watching it in passing over the next few months. We'll we'll we'll, re- we'll reconvene when I finish the Dominion War. Yes, yes, yes. But sorry, you uh, had a uh, film I believe you wanted to talk about. Uh, well, actually, there, there is two new uh, new pieces that I really want to. Okay. Two things that I want to get on my soapbox about because they're very good. They're very beautiful mm. and they stink of the sort of thing that if they don't get half as much attention as they should, they will get wiped from existence because okay. that's the landscape we live in. Pirates, uh, you have your assignment coming up. Yeah, well, these, well, one of them is on an actually competent streaming service. The other is on a sinking ship. Oh, which I'll let you which? decide which is which. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the first one I do want to talk about, though, is an uh, is a new animated anthology series on Disney Plus. Okay. Uh, it's called Kizazimoto, and it is 10, 15, 15 minute short animated movies, uh, entirely produced by continental African black creators. Okay. Uh, and all, all of them have the kind of the, the, the running through line of sort of Afrofuturism. Right. And they're all so gorgeous. And just like, I was watching it and they each, like, again, 15 minute max, each of them managed to take, to tell a concise story mm. in 15 minutes, which is impressive in its own right. Um, and they're all like, it's, it's, it's a bit like, I'd say they probably got the idea from uh, Star Wars Visions. I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you know, the, you can't, you have to draw the parallels because they're both on Disney. Um, and I think this was announced shortly after Visions launched. Right. Uh, but this has no IP relation. This is, this okay. is, the, everything in this is fully original ideas. And are these, uh, like, fables? Are they children's things? Like, what, what, I, like, I don't want to ask the plots necessarily, but yeah. what's the vibe of them? Like, I think some of them do have, re- like, because, like what what I find really interesting is that continental African mythology is something I know next to nothing about. It is yeah. it is a segment of the world I am completely inept. It, it is worth stating, even though I know most people know Africa is fifty three countries. Yeah, like that's that's why like, I'm saying continental Africa. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like like you could hear five like you know fables and like the other side of the continent hmm. wouldn't know them. You know, like yeah. Uh, and that's actually one thing this kind of does that's really interesting because it's like characters will, the whole thing is in English, but mm. they'll throw in like kind of little, little segment. They'll throw in like just kind of like verbs, ad libs, verbs in, in Somali, in uh, Zulu, in Africans. And they've all got distinctive looks. Like it's, it, it, after every episode, I nearly Googled to see where was this creator from, what part of the world. Because right. that, like, it's it's that visual indicator is like, oh no, this style is very Kenyan. This style is very Ugandan. Hmm. Uh, you'll notice like one of the, one of the shorts. I'll, 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 go, I'll go through the ones that I would recommend. Okay. Uh, but it the whole thing is maybe two and a half hours total. Okay, uh, so are they like all like 10 minutes per- shorts or like? 15 minutes, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's perfectly digestible, but I'll go through the ones I have that are my favorites. But one is called Stardust, and it actually it's it's much more kind of north northern Africa, kind of Egypt. Like it looks right. very Middle Eastern. So like it is taking from all sorts across the continent. Um, but as I said, I think the the, the running through line is 
Afrofuturism. So it's it's right. it's got a very it's got a much more kind of sci-fi um kind of run through to it. Like the first one. Can, can I ask was, then, is was yeah. Afrofuturism a genre before Black Panther made it mainstream? Like, because I wasn't fully aware of it. It has been. Now at the same time, like I think like certainly the the modern Black Panther movie did catapult it up. Like right. they, again, it, they, I, I have no doubt in my mind that this wouldn't exist if Black Panther wasn't successful. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But I think at least not, not on Disney a- Plus at any rate. Of course. Um, but certainly I think Afrofuturism has been a movement even before Black Panther, the comic book. I think yeah. it's, it's this idea of what if Africa wasn't colonized in the ways in the ways it were by yeah. the British, by the French, by the Spanish, mm. um, and became a land able to flourish under its own technological revolutions. Right. What what uh, if they had meddled with basically? Yeah. What what yeah. if hey hey what if what if what if the Brits left left well enough alone? You know. Yeah, I don't I don't mean like I mean it's because I because like I do wonder like will we get the great Irish sci-fi story of you know <laughs> <laughs> what if we were left alone? We we might have jet rockets but not roads or Trinity College. You know we don't know. We'd have, we'd have put a bunch of rockets on the East Coast and went away. <laughs> <laughs> the whole place would have been taken over in a massive coup by Cork. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be very loud about it. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really, I really thoroughly recommend it. They're, they're all gorgeous. Some of my favorites. Uh, is the second one it's called Mkuzi Spirit Racer okay. and it is the most studio trigger ass animation <laughs> like very Gurren Lagann kill a kill the right. whole the whole premise is a uh, a giant like billionaire who's right. also a car racer buys a neighborhood to build a strip mall but he only does it because he wants to race the the legendary late racer Mkuzi right who ends up like who was this boy's mother uh, but now the boy has inherited the, the label. And mm. it just, it becomes a race where they go into what is effectively the speed force, but then their cars turn into robots and fight each other. It's Love great. <laughs> uh, there's one called Surf Sangoma, which is what if people fought on surfboards? And I, just think, and I just think that's really neat. I feel like that's the sport we need in our lives. Yeah, uh, Hatima is about a race of kind of merfolk. Okay. Uh, and it, it deals with this, like they are at war with kind of like land dwellers. And then it goes into the past to reveal that the merfolk were actually uh, magically altered humans, that they're, they're one right. of the same. And it's that it does kind of like have, a, it does look over that kind of prejudiced idea kind of talk into that but it's this really wonderful little story uh and stardust is about a is about a poor orphan girl this is the one that i said that's much more yeah, that yeah. looks significantly more middle eastern uh is about this little orphan girl who there is a prophecy teller who will typically give people the prophecy but typically to, to the more well-off affluent people in the world she managed to get her own one it shows her nothing and that kind of pushes her on her journey right um but as I said, all 10 of them, they're all fit. They're all very short, 15 minutes. 
you breeze through it in less than an afternoon. Uh, okay, could you give us the name one more time? Kazazimoto. Kazazimoto, uh, okay. I think that it's got a subtitle of Generation Fire. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to remember yeah, that. It is, it is well, well worth it. Um, and what was the other? Because I mean, I'm so interested to see which of the streaming things is the sinking show. Because I don't know what the other one is yet. Ooh, the other one. Well, I'll I'll let me I'll let me let me let you on a spoiler. Because the other one is Netflix. Because they have locked me out of my sister's account. So this is the last thing I was watching on it. <laughs> You're not watching Black Bear Sugar. I'm not. I'm not paying twenty quid. <laughs> no streaming service. Um. Uh. Yeah. But. If, if you have not been kicked out of a Netflix account right now, uh, I would highly strongly recommend that you watch Nimona is a new okay. account on Netflix. What uh, is it about? It, so it's... What's the best way to put this? It is... <laughs> it's in a cross-medieval sci-fi world. So it's, it's futuristic flying cars, giant skyscrapers. Right. But the lay of the land is still very swords and sorcery. Okay. Uh, the, the the piece is still protected by men in armor with swords. You know. All right, I'm here uh, for it. New knight is being inaugurated in, notable because he is the first knight to not be chosen by a high house. Right. He was a little little orphan runt, got up through skill and gumption. Is just about to be inaugurated. Is then framed for murdering the queen. Uh, okay, sounds like classic goes, stuff. Yeah, goes on the run hiding uh in goes into hiding has to hide himself from his uh has to hide himself from his boyfriend mm. uh and ends up finding Nimona who is a mysterious young girl uh with no no real information to give except for the fact that she is a shapeshifter which is not common that would be <laughs> all she wants to have a medieval she, horse, yeah all, all she wants to be is a villain sidekick <laughs> oh <laughs> Oh my god, okay, I'm intrigued. Is this a series or a film? Uh, this is a movie. This is okay. A uh, is it a kid's it film is... or like I'd say so, yeah. Okay. I think I think, yeah. No, I'd, I'd call it easily a kid's film. Um but very all ages family. Like it's it it has big emotional payoffs, it has fun action sequences. Mm. Um do you know it, it it reminded me, and it might just be the kind of the the the, the play and alteration of mm. fantasy stuff. It gave me a kind of a Shrek vibe. <laughs> Okay, not it like might, too it, obnoxiously so, or no, no. I think yeah. it's just like the the contemporary swords and sorcery with right. uh, with big budget needle drops. Ah, uh, okay, but it's, all it's, right. It's a lot of fun. The animation is wonderful, hmm. um, and what what really drew me to it is that it's based on a comic that is written by the creator of She-Ra and the Princess of Power, which okay. I will never stop banging my hammer about. Everybody <laughs> should go watch that too. If you like Avatar The Last Airbender, it's right up there. It's really good, y'all. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's, it, it's written by him as well. His name is Andy Stevenson. Uh, oh, well, now I'm intrigued. Yeah, he... Like, I, I, I'm a big fan. He's also done a comic series called Lumberjanes. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I've heard of that one, yeah. Yeah. So, Nimona, well worth your time. If you, if you want, like, just a good family animated movie, Nimona, well worth it. Lovely. And actually, to tie things back into your first pick there in Disney+, Plus, 
I'm not sure if it counts as Afrofuturism, but there is a Deep Space Nine episode where um, Cisco in the past essentially writes Star Trek and it's set in like the 60s and it's about him trying to get his perfect future where everyone's treated equal, like put into print and all that kind okay. of stuff. I'm going to have to go back and watch it to see if that counts as like a f- part of that genre. But yeah, you've got my mind thinking about that now. Can I talk about yeah. something depressing? I suppose you can. I've, I've, I've gleaned too much positivity for this podcast. It's, yeah, it's funny enough. I usually feel like I'm the person who wants to bring the mood up, but I, I'm completely on the wrong side of the tracks. Today. Yeah, no, you, you, yeah, no, I had to bring this back up from Black Mirror. What's, what, what's got you dragging it back down? How much time do we have? 10 minutes. Okay. Yes. Loads of time. Uh, no, it's not really depressing. No, I uh, I saw the the newest and last season of Staged. Are you up to date on Staged? No, I only watched that first season because it was all that was on Netflix, and I haven't <laughs> gotten around. I haven't gotten around to going out of my way to watch the rest of it. But I, like that first season was great, and you've done nothing but sing its praises. Yes, it's uh, well. To be honest, this season isn't even on Netflix. I think Netflix still only have the first season. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I had to watch this on terrestrial channels like a sucker. Um, <laughs> no, it's just to recap very briefly. Um, the first season of stage was literally filmed on Zoom. Uh, it was David Tennant and Michael Sheen bored out of their tiny little spoilt actor minds. So a friend of theirs decides that we should rehearse a play over Zoom and it'll be ready for when the theaters reopen, which will be any day now. They filmed this in 2020. Um And it's just about it's more about the sort of like petty little things going on in their lives than it is actually about making the show. The show gets in the way of the comedy, but it's all fun. So they followed that up with a second season where and this is where it gets very peculiar. Like stage season one exists in the world as a fictional property and Hollywood are picking it up to do a glossy remake of it, except Tenant and Sheen aren't big enough draws. So like they're bringing in big name actors to audition for the David Tennant and Michael Sheen parts. <laughs> and the entire series is them like sabotaging these like like Michael, like uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost audition, for example. <laughs> and like all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's just about kind of it's under the surface. It's more about what's going on in their lives, like their wives are both like Georgia Tennant, I'm afraid I don't know um, Michael Sheen's wife's name, are distinct characters. And in this third season, like their kids are involved with it too, you know. So it blurs the line between what's real and what's fictional all the time. This third season, which is the only season out of COVID, goes even more bizarre. And do you mind if I spoil a little bit of it just to get it? Because it's really hard to talk about otherwise. Yeah, go ahead. Right. The first two episodes out of six are normal stage. Like they're like David Tennant's like has to get home for Christmas. They're planning on doing an audio version of like a Christmas carol over Zoom. They're getting actors involved, all that kind of stuff. And then right at the end of episode two, Michael Sheen quits. And then the next two episodes are the making of of why the third series of stage failed which Georgia Tennant is getting her son to film because they now owe them four episodes and they're and Tennant and Sheen can't get off their hats to like 
owe film their commitments. So this is the only thing she can think of to save the show. I, you know, it, that sounds wonderful and meta. And I'm, I am shocked to find out that this hasn't been some sort of elaborate lead up to Good Omen season two. I, that's the vibe because Neil Gaiman's in it. Of course he is. Neil Gaiman is in the first episode. And like, essentially, it's like they want to do a Christmas carol. And like, you know, Neil Gaiman's like, all right, can you just do us a script? And he goes, yes, we'll do Christmas carol. But it's on the moon and you're secretly dead. (laughs) And they're like, no, can we just like, okay, 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 they're alive, but everyone else is gone. And like, and they just like, it's just him sending up himself, you know, doing his (laughs) shtick. So uh, like that's but yeah like that if like as somebody who's actually watched it all um like would you have been surprised to find out that these two weren't actually David Tennant and Michael Sheen but just extraterrestrial people played by Michael Te- Michael Sheen and David it's Tennant? Nothing would surprise me anymore. <laughs> uh, but it's really weird. It's got this bitter dramatic quality, which is about the fictional ending to their friendship. Because the whole stage has run on too long and that's a part of it. And now they're just kind of, it's essentially about them having a good breakup, like, (laughs) which is really peculiar because they're real people and their wives are like involved. And like one of the episodes is just them sitting in a room trying to write and failing. And like, it's, and then eventually they have to bite the bullet and do Christmas Carol live. And it's an unmitigated disaster because they've spent the whole season being divas at each other. It's it's really bizarre, but quite hypnotic. It's just, it's just even I am still hiding quite a lot of the surprises. It just leads you on this weird, merry chase. And because it's, they're real people, like, I, I'm assuming it's very tightly scripted, but like, yeah. it's just, you never quite stop wondering how much of this is real, you know? It's, it's, uh, like it's, it's, it's grounded enough and it's grounded enough where it does feel like it's blurring the lines between reality and fiction. Yeah. When, yeah, it, when, it, when it. it is definitely fiction, like it is a, it is a package. Oh, yeah. Like, but it's, but it's the, the illusion of it. That's just it. And like, it's just great watching them squabble. Like, uh, like, I don't know, like Michael Sheen passed on an ad because like David Tennant wasn't available. And then David Tennant did it behind his back. Like, it's just like they're not like I'm sure they are rich, but they're not mega rich. They are still people who have to like take out the bins and stuff. But there's a petty side they just bring out of each other. Yeah, that's marvelous to watch. It feels like oh, an extended yeah. couples therapy session. Oh, yeah. And like even that first one, even that first season has a lot of like fun surprises. I'll still think about the reveal of who Sam was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I, no way I would have guessed that. Yes. That is, that was, but that could only have happened in COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was marvelous. And I think the second season tries very hard. Like they do bring in quite a lot of big name people. Uh, like the, the ones they settle on as the replacement David Tennant, Michael Sheen are great. Like, you know, but like they never quite top that. You can't undo that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but I think the third season wisely just took it back and made it strange and wonderful mm. and all that kind of stuff. And it's just great to watch like all the characters run circles around each other. Like, I, I, sorry to spoil so much of it, but 
the one where they have to sit down and write a script uh, at the same time, Georgia Tennant, again, David Tennant's real life, uh, thinks it would be more interesting if they failed to write a script and they filmed the results, which is what you're watching. So she's like, you know, breaking the heat in the building and she's like getting construction crews to drive around at regular intervals. Like, it's just really, I wouldn't be brave enough to act as myself named after my name being a horrible person and putting that out into the world. That's just the thought and, process behind it. And just then to ask your wife it. to do the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just really, really bizarre. And like, I've seen other people get tripped on it. Like, because like the first season is all about uh, Georgia Tennant, like writing her, finally writing her book. And then everyone kind of goes, well, where's your book? I was like, oh, it's not real. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you never quite figure out, like, David Tennant's real son, Ty, who's in the Game of Thrones spinoff now, is the cameraman, like, you know, kind of muddling things up and all that. Like, you know, so it's just, you can never quite figure out what's real. And that's great. And I love it. And I would highly recommend it, even if you're not like a Neil Gaiman, like Doctor Who obsessive type. It's still a really good, funny show. Like, yeah, no, it's again, it's it's one I've been looking, I've, I've been, I have, I keep thinking I should watch. Yes, uh, but it's it's as lack of accessibility to it. Mm. How did you say you were watching it? Uh, I I taped it off BBC. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of places you can find it on the internet. I suspect. Well, I mean, if BBC would let us have the iPlayer, <laughs> but we've kind of got our whole our whole own bag of cats to deal with there. Oh, we didn't. Oh, I'm I'm glad, glad we didn't talk about all the stuff, <laughs> RT. stuff that's happening here. Yes. Yeah, we got we got 40 seconds. You wanna you wanna kick that bag of cats? Nope, because it'll be out of date by the time this episode goes out. If it's still yeah, hey. ongoing, we might cover it. But the world's so small, I might like to work for them someday. We'll keep yeah, it on um, the down low. Yeah, you know, hey, listen, you come to us for like our musings on random African animated series. <laughs> if you want to know what's going on, the RTE stuff, go read the, go read the actual news. Funnily enough, I will say the RTE app has actually been doing a really good job keeping up with everything, which kudos <laughs> to them. Like that That's, takes, that, that takes some guts to put is, all the dirty that, details up there. That is somebody taking stock of a burning barn from the inside. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I know obviously there's a commercial side and a public side, but still, you know, you could very easily just, not put stuff up there, but there's lots of articles on it, so I appreciate that. Gumption. <laughs> uh, well, that will be it for us this week. Um, Kian, where can the good people find you when you're not here? I don't want people to find me. Uh, <laughs> no, Kian, no, no, no. What's, what's, uh, I'm, what's, I'm what's, your, what's your address and your PPS number? I'm on, I'm on Instagram as Kian O'Callaghan, but I only put up like Comic Con photos up there. If you like drama and stuff, uh, sometimes event, all abilities do events up there. You can find me there. I write for Geek Ireland. All that lovely stuff. Brilliant. Uh, you can find me over at Kevtalka94 on Twitter. While that's, speaking of burning barns, <laughs> I am standing inside that one. Uh, and as always, you can find us and more of our shows uh, over on nerdsnomedia.com. All the links to our socials are over there. All nerdsnomedia. Um, and there you'll also find our Patreon, where if you like what we do, want to tip us a few quid, always welcome, always appreciated. Um, I have children. Please send money. 
<laughs> Kian, Kian has to buy VCRs to tape staged. <laughs> Please help it's the him. superior format. <laughs> <laughs> the tape, I must wind it with my little pencil. <laughs> uh, until next time. We'll see you. You'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 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 You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app. Or you can check out the live streams on NairToKnowMedia.com or Phoenix 92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. NairToKnowMedia everywhere. NairToKnowMedia on Twitter. NairToKnowMedia Instagram. NairToKnowMedia on Twitch. NairToKnowMedia at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 